three, two, one, go. Welcome to another installment of the Cool Kids Table podcast. My guest today is Francisco X Rivera. You've seen him everywhere, Fox Sports, um, the, uh, in Spanish. He is uh, a commentator for the Chargers. He's done the Lakers. He's done the Clippers. But many of you will know him as being the youngest uh, Spanish broadcaster in a World Series game on Spanish television. Uh, he did the World Series in 2012. His credentials speak for themselves. Uh, he was named one of the 35 most, um, what's it called? He's already in here. Cool. Let's just jump in and let's hear him say it in his own words. Okay. Francisco, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. It's loud and clear. No static, no nothing. All good. Okay, so I was just giving them a brief introduction on you. So my guest today is Francisco X. Rivera. Why don't you say hello, Francisco? Hey, guys. Hector, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be uh, sharing some stories today with you guys. And, and once again, sending everyone a huge hug, best wishes, and just be patient, stay safe. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get through this. Right, man. That's, that's a great way to start it. So as you were coming in, I was just uh, letting the audience know that you were chosen by the Hollywood Reporter as being one of the top 35, uh, under 35 Latinos in entertainment in 2012. So um, I think that's a, we could go from there or we could do, I was letting them also know you were the youngest um, Spanish broadcaster for a World Series game. So either of those I'm okay with. What do you want to talk about? Let me see what, what's on your mind. Well, you know, both of those achievements came back in 2012 and um, that was a great year for me. Um, I think that, um, you know, the things that will always be on my mind, um, the Hollywood reporter thing came unexpectedly because, um, uh, you know, they are, I guess, picky with who they choose. And, um, uh, obviously the, I, I want to thank the people at Fox Deportes back then for referring me and put me, putting me out there on the map to them or, or publicists did a tremendous job and, you know, pitching me. As, as part of that that great roster, I mean, you had people like Zoe Saldana. Uh, I think Diego Diego Boneta was there. Uh, you know, I mean, so many great you know celebrities there, and just to be part of that list was just amazing for me. I mean, I'll, it will always give me bragging rights. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, a very famous Latina was on the cover of that Hollywood Reporter magazine, Sofia Vergara, and the Modern wow. Family team. So you know. It was for me just being part. I mean, there's a small paragraph talking about me as uh, call me the sports night. I'll be happy to send you um, a screenshot once. I mean, I'll, I'll find the magazine and you know, it talks about me, about, you know, being actually the only sports broadcaster mentioned in the Hollywood Reporter then. So, yeah, it was it was amazing to me. I just missed the party. I, I didn't go. I uh, but but at the same time, just being being able to to be mentioned in that category amongst, you know, some of some of, you know, not only peers, but other people that I look up to was just incredible. So then again, it will give me bragging rights for the rest of my life. That's amazing. And, um, you know, I'm familiar with you. I've seen you on TV. I've, I've you know, guess a fan, right? It's, we support each other. Thank we you. support these Thank people you. and you know, look like us, talk like us. And then, you know, it's incredible. And uh, myself uh, being an athlete when I was younger, I, you, you know, you dream of being the baseball player. You, you dream of, being on the field 
And then as I got older, I got into journalism for a little bit, right? So I see that aspect. And, you know, I had a, it wasn't a great blog, but it had a decent following for the time. And, you know, I, it was one of those things where I transitioned to like, oh, maybe I could write about sports and talk about sports. And this kind of came about because I always thought about doing like a, you know, like a, a sports center in my own words, you know, nightly kind of thing. So seeing somebody like yourself go out there and do it is like, to me, is like, one, not only is that awesome, but two, I feel like you could give some, not pointers, you know, I don't want to say, oh, do this, do that kind of thing, but just kind of, you see the Raza, you talk to the Raza and be able to like, let them know, hey, our people can do this too. You know, we could be on TV and talk about sports, you know, like um, one of the things I, I know about you, you know, hockey and Spanish, like uh, that's incredible, you know, because the Latino community is not that involved in hockey. So if we were to expand that, we have great athletes, you know, and a lot of them are multi-sports athletes. So if you were to like let people know like, hey, you're a great soccer player, you're a great football player, but you could also do hockey, you know, it, yeah, it, in Southern California, of all places, it's not that common, you know, it's more of a cold weather sport, but just these things that I feel like people like yourself putting it out there on the map kind of helps everybody, you know, rise up together. You know, you bring up the community with you. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a great point. And I thank you for, for your praise. And, and, and you know what, back going back to 2012, right. So then again, I get, um, promoted by, by Fox Deportes and then uh, Hollywood reporter, you know, obviously pays attention to me. They include me in their magazine. And then a little bit later, uh, October 2012, that's when uh, Fox gave me the great opportunity of calling the games. Um, I had been a, a reporter for them since 2006 in the World Series, uh, calling regular season and playoff games. But this was the very first time I actually got to call the, the whole uh, World Series for myself. Unfortunately, Detroit did not put up too much resistance against the Giants. So it was a yeah. short series. I, I actually remember. took my family uh, to Detroit. It was my dad, my wife, and a friend of my dad's. We had oh, tickets cool. for all uh, three games, but unfortunately, had to get a refund for the last game because, <laughs> you know, it, it actually never happened. You know, it was yeah. a short series, but it was it was a time in my life not only because then again I got to do it and I got to do it at a fairly young age when I was 30 years old. Uh, but at the same time, you know, my family who's been a, a great part of my life so far uh, was able to be there with me. So you know, that's that's irreplaceable. That's something that will never leave my mind. That's actually my biggest memory because it's not about the money. It's not about the moment. It's about sharing with familia. And you know about you're talking about La Raza. Well, us Latinos, like I was born in Mexico City, right? And I know um, I'm, I cannot tell you like, oh, I identify myself as Mexican American, even though I live here for half of my life. But you know, each one of us is different, right? You, you were born in a different country. You come from different backgrounds, but one thing that unites us as Latinos is family, right? And, and for me, yes, being sir. able to, to cherish those moments with, with my familia, you know, make me very, very proud and very, very humble about those opportunities. So when that happened, you know, I started getting more notoriety amongst not only my peers, but, you know, one thing that helped me, um, I actually, when I started in this business, I was a junior at Long Beach State and I, um, I started, you know, with an internship at Fox Sports Net on the English side of things, doing production. So I, I met a lot of people, and that's how, you know, it's not only known on the Spanish side of things, but only, you know, but just pretty much everywhere. And then, you know, I start picking up more achievements along the road. And then uh, in 2013, I was very fortunate to be chosen by Fox Network 
as their uh, main reporter for the, all their soccer coverage as they bought the English rights um, to the next two World Cups and then all the CONCACAF events. So I was very fortunate to be able to cross over in 2013. So as I said, 2012 was a very special year for myself. And then 2013 follow with a bang. You know, I am able to cross over and become the first Mexican broadcaster on, on the Fox network, which, you know, made me very proud of, you know, just accomplishing that. So with that said, uh, the last seven years of my life, I've been able to not only try to self-promote and promote my name, but at the same time, try to be an example and try to be a role model to the community. Uh, I've been very fortunate to achieve many different things in my life, but at this time, I think I want to leave a legacy. I, I really, yeah, obviously you want to get paid well, you want to make you know some money, but at the same time, you, I, I really want to leave a legacy. So some of you mentioned hockey, and I uh, I was very fortunate, thanks to many people within the Kings organization, to be able to reinvent myself. So uh, this season, I actually started working um, as a consultant for the Kings. It was the first time that I didn't make any money uh, or I didn't make my money through broadcasting. Um, I, I started basically guiding their strategy when it comes to catering to the Latino community, you know, bringing celebrities that I know um, into, into games, uh, build relationships with companies, with, with other uh, influencers, attend community events, create bilingual content, content, just too many different things encompassing that. Then I was also made part of their uh, advisory board, which, you know, it's, it's a group of about 30 people from very famous backgrounds, from Hollywood producers to rock stars to actors, from CEOs to companies. And anyway, that's, that's one of the things that was also very humbling for me, being able to hang out and share moments with, with these uh, great people. Uh, because they're not only very accomplished, but they're also great as just individuals themselves. So, you know, I've tried to reinvent myself and try to leave a legacy to produce new things, being able to, as I said before, become a role model for the community. And uh, I mean, there's too many things that I can tell you, but one of the ones that come to my mind, um, before Long Beach State, I went to El Camino College for three years. And this is one of the first times that people will hear about this, but I was actually named uh, El Camino's commencement speaker for for this year. Congrats! And it won't ha thank you, but it won't happen. Yeah, unfortunately, they won't have yeah. a real graduation. Yeah, but still, um, the, the accomplishment is still year. there. No, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. But but let let me tell you something. I mean, part of my what my speech was going to be, you know, was was about around the, the along the lines of, hey, if I did it, you guys can do it. If I came to this country as an immigrant, I was able to you know, come as an international student and, and find my way through through school and pay my way through school and everything, you guys can do it. I mean, it might be a dream, but um, just make it a reality. And and that's that's really what I want to do. And just, I want to make sure that everything I do from now on, yeah, of course, as I said, I want to get paid. But at the same time, I want to make sure these things that I'm doing are leaving a legacy and they're setting an example for people that are coming after me. And so they can believe that they can actually do it. And, and yeah, it, it's great to become an example for La Raza and for Latinos. That's great. But at the same time, just any kid that wants to follow a passion or a dream, just so they, I can be that, that, um, that example or someone that can be of any help or support. That's beautifully said. You sound incredibly humble. Um, and what about your journey? You know, I, I came here illegally too. I 
I was being brought over here as a child. So the audience knows that story. So I rather, I rather, I rather hear a touch up on yours. Like how did it go about? Like, you know, uh, if you don't mind, if it's not too personal, you know, like what age did you come here? How was it transitioning into, you know, to school and to a different type of uh, livelihood? Cause a lot of people don't realize that it's a new culture. You might speak the language, but you're in a new area. You probably, I can't speak for you personally, but you know, a lot of people come, they don't have friends and sometimes they leave their family behind. They're by themselves most of the time, or it's either with a group of a few of them. How was it for you if it's not something too personal? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting journey because, you know, going back to my family, my grandpa came here in the sixties, right? And he had, uh, six uh daughters and uh, and, and sons uh it was six total right my, my dad was the youngest of them all and uh half of them came here to this country and followed my grandpa my my dad was part of the other half uh my dad you know we we did okay financially uh i could say we were sort of upper middle class uh despite the fact that my grandma was left alone with six kids in mexico and you know between her and and the oldest of my of my uncles were able to get past, you know, those obstacles. And it's not easy to come from humble beginnings and be able to do something. And I'm very proud of my uncle who, um, you know, went to, to, to um, medical school and graduated, became a doctor. And all of a sudden, our family's fate started changing, right? So uh, I, I'm very proud to say my family came from nothing. And then we have become something. And this is, you know, a, a parenthesis, but my uncle uh, had a daughter who eventually became the most famous actress in Latin America and then the first lady of Mexico. I don't know oh, if you wow. watch novelas at all, but Angelica Rivera, who's my cousin, is my biggest role model. And wow. that actually came, as I said, from my grandma trying to get past these obstacles of being a, 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 single, a single mom and, you know, with six kids, right, with my grandpa coming to this country and then my uncle, you know, setting that path for us and then my cousin being able to you know, being, you know, by far the most accomplished person in the family, right? So as I said, I'm very proud to say that, uh, yeah, we might have a lot or, or actually grew up comfortably, but at the same time, it's not because we inherited. It's because my, my grandma and then my uncles and my dad really busted their butts to, um, to get through in life, right? So my grandpa comes to this country. Uh, my dad decided to stay, but, you know, he actually liked coming here to visit his brothers, right? In the 70s and the 80s. And then my dad, start you know you know he always loved baseball he was a very good baseball player himself in mexico so um you know he used to come and my my, my house was all decorated with dodger stuff right and we knew some people in, in the business so my dad was able to meet people like roy campanella and nolan ryan and uh fernando valenzuela when he came nice. he was uh i wouldn't say like a huge friend of my of my uncles but they knew each other my my uncle was an one of my uncles was an ophthalmologist and he used to give Fernando um, sunglasses when, when he came and then Fernando would give him tickets in exchange, right? So, you know, that, that sports and baseball culture was always around my house. Um, I did not start really liking or getting into baseball until 1992. And then, you know, I, I became such a, such a huge Dodger fan that it, basically my life, my life revolved around baseball, right? More around sports in general, but around baseball uh, mostly. So. Um, years kept on passing by and uh, I started coming on vacation, staying here with my cousins, going to Dodger Stadium. And I really enjoyed the lifestyle. And I thought, well, I, I really like baseball. Um, I, was, I was an okay player. Obviously, um, not as good to, to have become professional. Maybe had I really put my heart into it, maybe college, 
Like I went to Long Beach State and I'm jealous I didn't play there, right? You know, yeah, they, they've had baseball. so many great teams. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, my, my point was when I turned 17, I was like, I really want to move to the U.S. So one of my cousins said, okay, I'll help you. I'll sponsor you. You can stay with me. I'll, I'll take care of whatever you need. And then obviously my dad's sending some money for me to get by, right? Uh, by that time, I'm talking about 1999, MLS had been around for three years. So I thought, well, I really don't have any connections when it comes to soccer here in Mexico. So I'm going to give it a try, go to high school for my last year in the U.S., and then try to get a, a scholarship for, for soccer, go to school, get drafted, maybe going to MLS. Who knows, right? So I saw, like, my head, it was all clear. Um, at the same time, I also wanted to be a broadcaster because every time since, you know, I had my, my very first Nintendo sports games, I, I really wanted to, I, I called my own games and even, and even playing on my own, I had my imaginary booth and everything. So I knew my lab was going to go and you have to do something around sports. So I came to the U.S. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Hacienda Heights area, yes, but sir. I went to school, um, at Wilson. Wilson oh, cool. High School. I lived just a few steps right away from school. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can actually see a big W uh, mm-hmm. right off the Azusa uh, exit. So stayed there with my cousin, and, and I, I, for me, it was going to be easy, right? You know, I'm this very good soccer player coming here, staying with family. It's going to be all good. Um, I actually started pretty well, and people started noticing that I was a very talented player. Um, I, one of the anecdotes that I always like to tell, like the principal calls me to the office first few weeks of, of school year. I'm like, crap. I, I like in Mexico, it's always a troublemaker, right? Because I've always been the funny guy, the guy that like to entertain other people. And then I guess, hence I'm doing this, this is what I'm doing, right? Entertainment and TV, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm like, what did I do? I'm not getting into trouble. I barely have any friends here. I'm adapting to a new culture. So he calls me in I'm like, well, can, what can I do for you, sir? And he's like, well, Francisco, I've, I've really heard good things about you. I heard you're a really, really good um, and talented soccer player. Um, I want you to help us win championships. And, um, you know, because at the time, Los Altos was always kicking our butts in every sport, right? So, you know, he comes to me with this sort of, um, I don't I'm not going to say like praise, I guess. And I'm like, wow, that really motivated me. But that also grew my head at the same time, right? Made it just even bigger. I've always... My ego was, has always been one of my biggest enemies. And at the time, I, I became so big-headed that going into training, I didn't talk to other people. Like, one of the other things that I remember, my first practice, they were like, rookies carry the goals. And people were looking at me as, as if I was going to carry everything and paint the lines and whatnot. And I'm like, guys, I'm a senior here. And I'm the best player in the team. I'm not carrying any goals. You know, and, and, and to me, I didn't understand. It was a culture shock, too, because they – like to them, being a rookie was being a first-time player in the team, not necessarily like a sophomore or a freshman, right? But I didn't yeah. understand it that way. Like I didn't when we were it was time to jog during practice. I didn't do it right. Like I always I only wanted to have something to do with you know playing, doing well and whatnot. But I was not a team player, and that was really tough on me because I eventually quit the team because I missed one week of practice for personal reasons. And the coach put me on the bench, came in the second half. I wasn't comfortable. And I told him, if I'm going to pay $100 for my Adidas uniform, uh, and you're going to put me on, on games every single minute, I'm out. So then I left, started playing baseball for a little bit. And then it was just too much. And I quit school. And I went back to Mexico City. It was cold. The culture shock was just too much. And, and I was very, very, uh, as I said, my, my head was very big at the time. 
So I was not ready to come into this country. In Mexico, you can be a big shot, but you come here and you realize that there's so many people that are equally talented and uh, you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to struggle to, to get to where you want to be. So that didn't really work out for me that well. And, and a lot of people might say, yeah, I, I, I crossed the border. I had to swim, had to do, struggle, you know, run away from border patrol. I, I, I'm not going to tell you my life was as tragic as that, but my, my drama was then again, not being able to adapt to a new culture. So I, I went back to Mexico. I finished school there, but by the time I got into a new passion, which was music, I, I knew how to play the drums a little bit. I was uh, the lead singer in a band. But then that, that uh, semester that I took off uh, helped me learn how to play guitar. And all of a sudden, I, I sort of forgot about sports. And I said, you know, screw it. You know, I'm going to music. And I started just playing music. Uh, finished high school. I was ready to come back. I came back. Um, I, I was able, because of my cousin sponsoring me, I was able to get a student visa, uh, went to El Camino college. The catch with it was that since the visa was actually processed here, I could not leave the country. So I, once I moved here for good in 2002, I was unable to move back or, or actually to even visit until 2009. So I wow. was uh, here for seven years without, you know, being able to leave the country. So uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad was always coming back and forth, and I said, as I said, I had a lot of family here. So um, that's that's really how it went for me. Uh, it was, as I said, it was not as as tragic as many other paths that people might be able to relate to. But at the same time, it was it was tough. One, one of the things that I can tell you, uh, getting I was like I knew I was not going to get any help being an international student. So I always wanted to do more. Like I was able to find out how can I get loans to to go to school because for me. Like you can say, you know, El Camino College, for anyone, you pay, I think you used to pay 15 bucks per unit. For me, it was $200 per unit. So once you go full-time to El Camino College, you're paying the thousands. Long Beach State, you know, people would pay like a thousand bucks, like a California resident. I used to pay like $6,000 a semester for an international student. So I really had to find my way to pay through school, uh, get a social security number to work in school, and then find a way to work in my career through school. So these little things that people don't really know about. And when you come into this country, obviously uh, people don't want you to know shortcuts, right? Because they don't want more immigrants coming into the country. But I was able to find these shortcuts for myself. Like I can tell you again, a social security number for me was hell because I, I the way I did it, I started, uh, I requested to work at Long Beach State. Um, I think it was within the bookstore. It was an accounting job, right? It's just helping out with numbers, whatever, nothing too fancy. Uh, so they said, yeah, you can work here. And so you can make some extra money part-time during school year. And then during vacation, you can come and work full-time for us. So they helped me get my social security number. Uh, but at the same time, the social security office in Long Beach was always giving me trouble. So it took me actually six visits to finally get my number. And this might, might look or might sound crazy to you but um you know it's you would never never in the world would you think that you would have phone communication with someone from the social security office right any and people inside the office felt so bad for me that i couldn't get my number that would call me directly on my cell phone and be like francisco we feel bad for you but you're missing this paper now can you ask your school for this or this proof or, or that and it was it was really weird to me but um 
even the security guards at the office would always say hi to me by first name. They already knew who I was. Oh. I was <laughs> spending more time there than at school, right? So, you know, then again, even though you might, you might think that my, my path was not so tragic, um, I really feel proud of everything that I, I accomplished because I could tell you that everything that I have until now, yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of family and old friends helping me along the way, a lot of great people at work, but, you know, I've really, really pushed hard to, to be able to become someone in this country as an immigrant. And I feel very proud of my heritage, but at the same time, I've, I feel really, really proud of being an American now. I, I swore my citizenship back in 2016. I have a passport now. So I, I, I am really, really thankful to this country that has given me and my family so much. That's beautiful, man. It's, it's great. I'm glad you said, you know, in your words, because um, one thing, you know, I could tell right off the bat is you, you're not a quitter. You know, you don't give up. You don't take the easy route. You go through it. You do it. Uh, yeah. And there's hiccups. Everybody has hiccups. You know, you said the culture shock going back to Mexico. The story didn't end there, right? It could have just ended, gone to Mexico and done something else. But no, you, you kept striving yeah. for success and you kept pushing. So don't don't take it too lightly, you know, that your story wasn't as tragic. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own journey. Uh, yours doesn't sound easy by any means. So, you know, I'm glad that you kept pushing and that you, you, you were able to achieve the success that you've reached and that will continue to reach. One of, a, one of the, the best stories that I could tell you, I don't know if this is off the record, but I'm going to tell it because it's true. Um, you're a baseball guy, so you might remember Alfonso Marquez, the umpire. Yes. He was actually in the crazy. World Series a few times. Yeah. yeah. So, so Alfonso, we, we're doing an interview with him in, during the 2011 World Series. We got to his hotel room and he gave us all the access. He was so nice, and, which is weird because, you know, with umpires, they never give out interviews, right? More they never, back. they're, uh, yeah, exactly. They're never in the public. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that makes sense because you don't want people, you know, basically busting their, their balls for something that they, for a call or something like that. So it's understandable. But Alfonso was so nice and, you know, he's from uh, Zacatecas, I think. So him and my, my colleagues, uh, I had a producer with me and a camera guy. Um, they are talking about their journeys here and all of them, you know, about the way they came into this country and this, their stories, man, we're, we're hardcore, right? And so they're all, they're all talking, right? And then Alfonso turns to me and in Spanish, he tells me, so Francisco, tell me, um, so how do you cross the border exactly? <laughs> and I felt so bad, like I felt privileged. <laughs> and I felt so bad because I didn't have a tragic story to tell, right? But um, then again, as I said, it's, it's not about how you come into the country, but it's about what you do here and how you become a valued member of the society. And I can tell you, like a lot of people feel so bad when, and felt so bad when, when, our, when our current president you know, said what he had to say before he won the elections, which to me was a lot of rhetoric. And I don't want to really want to get into politics. It's not my thing. But at the same time, I, I didn't feel, I'm not going to say I felt offended just because I knew in my case, it was not true. And I knew that I had become a valued member of society. So if ever, ever someone ever wanted to question my moral fiber and my values and what I've done to contribute coming to this country, you know, I have a resume that speaks for itself. So, you know, it's, 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 it's been, it's been uh, very humbling. And at the same time, I feel very proud of having become, you know, a, a, um, an American that has contributed in, in so many ways to this country. I mean, yeah, like you said, your resume speaks for itself. So, I mean, not to make it a political one, but yeah, you know, some things were said and, and that's a great thing. There's people like you where you can point to, you know, and, and your story and be like, no, look, the criminal where. 
the drug dealer yeah. wear, the murderer wear. Look at look, he's on TV. You know, he's reporting the sports that that you're watching. You know, he's just doing it in Spanish or you know now in English. And right, you know, so that that's what I mean as like role model. Sometimes you know, kids don't know the role models until they get older. Like when you start seeing like, oh man, why did you want to be like Jaime Harin? You know, you didn't know you wanted to be like Jaime Harin. Even though Vince Scully is like, quote unquote, the GOAT, we had Jaime Harin because what he spoke our language, he looked like us. So sure. um, myself personally, you know, like as I got older, I was like, we had our own Vince Scully, like, which is crazy that the Dodgers right. were so lucky and fortunate to have the two best of their time at their peak, you know, one in English, sure. one in Spanish. And yet I was a huge Vince Scully fan, still am, right? And Jaime Harin, I never really gave him the time of day because... You know, as I, I learned the language and I started watching TV in English, like I just would watch the games in in English. But then now, like, not, not say today, but, you know, in my younger 20s, I would reflect and be like, dude, we had Jaime Harin. You know, right. like that was our... Well, I had Jaime myself. I mean, um, they we had uh, games on, uh, on radio in Mexico until 1996. So um, I used to listen, stay up because in Mexico, games would start at 9 p.m., right? Mm. So uh, two hours difference. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I would stay up as, as, as late as I could to listen to the game while in junior high, right? So I didn't get Vince Colley until I started coming in va- on vacation here to 1995. I mean, right away, the, the silky voice, all the stats and the stories. And that's like I consider myself a storyteller when, I, when I'm calling games, right? Like I want to know those stories. So that's why... I adopted that kind of styling, which I try to bring, uh, you know, stories together and, you know, find common ground between players and anecdotes, things like that. So I, right away, obviously, I noticed that Vince Colley was that kind of, that voice, that kind of broadcaster. But to me, I mean, Jaime Harin was the first guy that really listened to it when I was, um, you know, uh, trying to, or getting into the Dodger culture. And now that I think I've become a friend of, of the family, you know, and I've shared microphones with Jaime a few times, you know, that it's, it's been a very humbling experience. So as you said, it's just trying to find that role model, that person that, that you want to just model your life, uh, you know, after. And I think, you know, as you said, you know, the, this organization having two Hall of Fame broadcasters at the same time, that's it's quite an accomplishment. I mean, and, and for you, I mean, I've just, the, the behind the scenes, you know, the stories, the, the, the tips, the hey rook, you know, kind of thing that that just sounds like, like a book of an in of itself, you know, just the stories you could talk about with with Jaime. That's that sounds really yeah. like a yeah, because he was he was very supportive uh, to me when I started going to Dodger Stadium when I was writing for a small newspaper here in LA, and uh, he was always very supportive. He knew who I was, but I think people could notice that I was a go getter, that I was always hustling and try to do something. And then, actually, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit, too, to another voice of the L.A. Dodgers, Pepe Iñiguez, okay. who's called Games with Jaime for a long yeah. time. Pepe was actually the guy who helped me get into Fox Sports in Espanol, which became Fox Deportes. So, you know, those guys knew, then again, that I was I – I don't know if they knew if I was talented or not, but they knew that I really wanted it, right? I wanted to do what they did. Uh, so Pepe really helped me a lot. I mean, even though I can tell you – you know, I've become, I think, a friend of, of Jaime's family. At the same time, I, I consider Pepe a huge friend, a huge influence in my life because he, he really, I mean, he was the guy that put me in touch with the people that I needed to talk to, right? So, I, I mean, there's just so many people in the Dodger organization, but 
yeah, just just being able to to to. I don't I don't know if I pick their brain much. I am, as I said, I have a big ego. I am very proud. Uh, so I don't know. I like I try to do things for myself and by myself. I'm very proud that way. So I don't try not to pick people's people's brains about how they do things. I'd rather actually pick up those tips myself. But you know, sharing those the stories. Like I was um. I recently got nominated for a Southern California Sports Broadcasters uh, Award, and I went against Jaime, and I lost. Um, but I felt like, you know, I lost to Jaime Harin. I, I lost against you know, the best in the country. So, you know, it's, it's not bad. I'm not going to feel bad about it. Right? So we're laughing about it. Yeah. And I'm telling him stories about of, um, when I used to, like, he has a, a say. Um, ya estoy viendo las casitas en mi pueblo. Like, I'm seeing the houses far away, which for him meant... I'm all, I already know that, you know, the game's already been decided, right? And, and this takes me back to the uh, NLDS in 1995 when the Dodgers were swept by the Reds. And I remember listening to my friend, you know, to the game my, at my friend's house. And I remember Jaime saying that, Yes, estoy viendo las casitas en mi pueblo, amigos. Like the Dodgers were losing like 10-1 to the Reds and they were swept. And I remember telling him that story and we were just laughing about it. So then again, it's, it's not only about really the, the, the tips – or the, or the rookie recommendations, but it's it's about the stories that you can share with people because that you actually live them somehow, right? He was calling the game, I was listening to the game, so technically I was part of it too. Yeah, in my own little way. <laughs> and uh, real quick, um, you know, a lot of time with the awards, it's just about the nomination, you know, like he, like you said, he won, but it's like I don't have to win, you know. I'm just glad to be part of the conversation. Like just yeah. just being nominated, I think is a a worthy achievement in in of itself like that's incredible too those are your peers you know like put it that way you know like they consider you on that par with Jaime Harin I think that that's almost as good as winning you know like that's yeah that's incredible. I, I, I think you have to have confidence in yourself and one of the things that I learned after accomplishing so many things at a young age you have to play the part but you have to believe in yourself and you have to make sure you enjoy everything that, I, that, that you do. So going back to 2012, right? So I you know, get so many things done and so many achievements in, in one calendar year. But I, I go back to 2010. That's the time when I started calling Laker games, uh, when Fox Sports West used to produce games in Spanish. And I remember just being in my booth. Um, and I was thinking about many, many other things, not enjoying what I was doing. And... You know, people can be like, are you serious? You're getting to see Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant live, right? One of the best players of your generation and in the history of basketball. You're seeing Pau Gasol. You're seeing this great bench with Jordan Farmer and Ronnie Turiaf and Sasha Bujacic and Lamar Odom. And it, it, was, it was a great, yeah, it was a great Laker team, right? The, the one that won the title in, in 2010. So I'm sitting in my booth and just thinking about other personal issues that I had and, you know, me not being happy. And then... I started going back and I'm like, are you serious? How can you not enjoy this? I mean, people would actually pay to be in your, in your you know, to have your, your position, to be in your shoes. And I wasn't really enjoying myself. So then I started thinking, you know what? I'm going to feel proud of every single thing that I do. It doesn't matter if it's going to the bathroom at Staples Center or actually calling an, an NBA finals game, but I'm going to be very proud of everything that I'm doing because I accomplished it because, I, because there was something that I did to be in this position. Because I think when you, I started in this business when I was 23. And as I said, I, I, I did, I called a World Series game 
uh, as a reporter. Well, I was part of the broadcast and sideline reporter at 24 when I was going to school. So things started happen to, happening to you very, like very early in your life. Like I was making six figures working on TV by the time I was 24. So you, you start losing your, your ground. You start, you know, sort of stepping on a little brick of yourself, getting big headed. And you forget about how you, you know, you became who you are and how you went places. So I, I think you, what you mentioned, you know, being in the same category as legends, as other legends like Jaime, you have to feel proud about that. And you have to be, you have to feel proud about everything that you do in life. And that's another lesson that I learned. It doesn't matter where you've gotten. Always remember where you, where you came from. Always remember that first uh, demo that you recorded or that, or the people that helped you tape that demo, right? Or the people who help you get to that spot and everything that you do, it doesn't matter if it's big or small for other people, for you, it has to mean the world. And, and, and those are some of the lessons that I've learned. These are more than professionally, they're lessons of life itself about how to be able to enjoy it. And at the same time, I think even if I, I might not get into the baseball hall of fame because I haven't called baseball continuously for 20 years, like other people. But to me, it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I live in my own hall of fame. I've accomplished things that I've wanted to accomplish. I've been able to share those moments with my family. So, you know, I, I feel happy and I'm proud of, of the place where I'm at right now. Oh, man, you, you keep killing it. That's why you, you're so great at what you do. You, you, you have a way with words and you have a way to say these stories. Um, looking forward, you know, obviously, you know, post quarantine, post uh, COVID-19, hopefully this is all resolved and everybody I don't know what the new normal is, you know, but the sporting events. So I don't want to say, oh, let's say in six months. I don't want to say, say in 12 months, because we don't know what the landscape's going to be. But as you personally, like, what's, what are you moving for in the future? You know, like when everything's back to normal, I get it. There might be a new normal. They're talking about, you know, baseball league with no fans at the beginning. But I mean, what is in, in your perspective, in your moves, what's the next step? Where, where are you headed? Well, um, it's been it's been a tough stretch. I'm not gonna lie to you. And and for this, I would like to commend uh, Jack Harris, a writer for the LA Times, who wrote an amazing article, and he included me amongst uh, some other voices of LA sports. And we all talked about how it is for us, right, going through this. And you're a big baseball fan, so Joe Davis was in that article. Okay. Uh, Brian Seaman from the Clippers, Alex Faust from the Kings, and I was you know made part of that group about how LA voices are, are, are going through this struggle for everyone. Right. Um, and I know in my case, uh, what the, the, you know, talking about the quotes that he included, you know, I remember telling him, how am I going to make up for all the income that I'm losing? A lot of people are ready full time or they're, um, they have a contract. A lot of the work that I do is, um, as a freelancer. So, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to keep, to have kept my job at channel 62 at Estrella TV. So I'm still the sports anchor. Don't go in uh, live from my house via Skype. Um, and then I do an LAFC show for them as well, which is we actually signed a contract with LAFC to start broadcasting their games this year. I was made the voice of the Spanish voice of LAFC. That's not happening for a while, I guess. But in the meantime, we're re-airing classic games, right? Okay. So uh, for me, it's been um, like what I did in the last month. I started, like, as I said, I reinvented myself as a consultant. Uh, for different teams and I also work as a consultant helping companies uh, going or expanding to Latin America so right now there's been uh, the same way that a lot of people are struggling there's been a lot of needs for different products and different types of work around the world 
so I was really, I, I got into a business venture trying to help some people here for, I mean, here in the U.S. expand into Latin America and Mexico specifically. So um, that really kept me busy for the last three weeks, right? Like I wasn't really sleeping. I was, uh, I was in the middle of, you know, awake in the middle of the night. I've always been a late sleeper, but at the same time, I was sleeping two hours a day at, at times, not sleeping. So a lot of people told me, well, you know, how are you adapting to this? And I'm like, I'm busier than I was before wow. this actually happened, right? Uh, and a lot, I know people, you know, they're, they're sending each other challenges for push-ups or juggling the ball and whatnot. I'm like, guys, I, you know, I, I didn't get invited to any of those parties, but at the same time, even if I had, I didn't have time to do it. Like right now, I'm getting some time to breathe right now. Um, I am married. I, I don't have kids, but I have a, a, a cat. So I'm, I'm trying to give them more time, more of my time right now. Um, I, because I know that this is very unfortunate. I've lost a lot of money. I'm not, I'm going to lie about that. Uh, but at the same time, I got to see what, what, why this is happening. Right. If for me, like we all cope with, with things differently. And if this is going to be an opportunity for me to bond with my family even deeper, because I was busy all the time before, because I was working seven days a week at two or three gigs in one day. Well, so be it. Like, I'm going to try to really value time with my family. Uh, as of how this is going to end up, I honestly don't know. And I don't want to talk about things that are being said uh, behind the scenes of how this is going to end up or how this is going to happen. Because a lot of times people tell you, oh, sports are going to get back to normal. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me, right? Because, you know, sports might be back to normal for athletes. But I don't, I don't know if my job is going to be secure. Mm -hmm. I, I want to be positive and think, yeah, I'm going to have something. And there's some things in the works and I'm hopefully uh, there's some things that's uh, something that I'm working on that I should be able to announce in the next month, I guess, which I'm really excited about new big project for me. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm staying busy, man. I have, there's really no time, like I'm getting time to breathe right now, but at the same time for someone who who's, who has financial responsibilities, as head of household and someone who leaves a lifestyle, uh, the way I live my lifestyle, you know, I have to make money. So, you know, I feel, and then again, I, I want to have some time to breathe right now, but you know, in two days, I know I'm, it's time to get back to, you know, creating and reinventing myself once again and, and trying to see what's going to happen. So right now, I, the only thing I, that I can tell you that tonight I have to connect from home to my newscast. Um, and tomorrow I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. And I'm checking it day by day. So I said, it's not the best situation. We're all struggling, uh, but you know, I, I, I can't look to the future. I, I have to, then again, okay. yeah, exactly. Not even tomorrow. I have to live my life today. Just have fun. Like I, I'm sitting down talking to you, enjoying this moment. And later I'm going to start playing FIFA on Xbox. <laughs> you know, then nice. later I'm going to play with my cat or, you know, go buy coffee with my wife because right now that's probably one of the only things that we can cherish together. Right. And we can't go out except we're going to the supermarket or, to get coffee right so that's your memory of the day so really i i'm not i can't tell you what i'm going to do but the only thing that i that i know is that i'm going to really hustle and i'm going to make sure i give my best to um reinvent myself and to rediscover what's going to happen after this for me i'm as you said before i'm not a quitter man so you know it's just about you know finding what my place in this new world would be and just going from there i uh, uh there's no doubt in my mind that whatever you decide to do or how you do it, you're going to do great at it. You're going to excel. Uh, I appreciate it. What I know of you and what I've 
you know, the little snippet of that you shared with us today, like part of your life, who you are, uh, you're successful for a reason, you know? So um, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Cause I know you do, like you said, you have a busy schedule and you, this is kind of like a leisure time. And I, so I want you to enjoy FIFA. I want you to enjoy your family. So, um, you know, this is no, it's, it's quite... my pleasure, man. If you have, if you, I, I love talking to people. And one of the reasons why I'm in entertainment is, is because of, I love talking. So, you know, feel free. If you have any more questions, want to throw my way, of you course. never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So let's yeah. take advantage. Okay. No, then I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take advantage. Then. I just, <laughs> um, no. Uh, okay. So put me in a hypothetical situation. There's a kid uh-huh. right now stuck in quarantine. He was mm-hmm. going to go to college next year. He's in high school. He doesn't know quite what to do. But he's hearing mm-hmm. this episode and he's saying to himself, hey, he's going to look you up, right? Maybe he's not familiar with you. He's going to look you up. He's going to see your accomplishments. He's going to say, I want to sure. do that. How would you guide him to do that? Not to say to be the next Francisco X Rivera, but to be his own person, but kind of let him know, like, of course, you know, like the hard work. And I'd rather let you say it. When I, when I started... Um my internship with Fox. I, re- I remember a lot of people, uh, I was a junior, right? And even when I started, I remember um, someone that has become my best friend, one of my best friends and mentors who was the person that hired me back then. Um, her name is Celeste Gehring, who used to be uh, an executive at Fox. Um, I remember her saying that, you know, for me to come in as a junior and get an internship was great, but they would not hire anyone until they would they actually graduated from uh, from college, right? Uh, and then what happened? Six months later, during my junior year, I got offered a job as a production assistant, right? Uh, why did that happen? Because I wanted to always, you know, do something outside the box. I wanted to go above and beyond. And if I had some task thrown my way, I wanted to make sure it was done well, and not only well, but better than the person right next to me. And um, I, I saw some, I mean, I was there for four years, I mean, for four semesters, if you will, uh, before I started on air. And then I actually left Fox uh, to be on air, right? Uh, but I saw so many interns coming and going, right? And then of those, how many are actually or actually accomplished something? I Probably none of them. But you know what? I always, like I said to myself, I, I want to be in this business, so I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to say hi to everyone. I'm not going to be shy to, if I see one of the big bosses, I'm going to be shy talking to them. If I see a big, uh, like a big celebrity, like I remember meeting Warren Moon, for example, right? Oh. And I wasn't shy to go and talk to Warren Moon. Uh, I remember um, meeting you know, a guy that I've met and that I've shared so many on-camera moments recently and that I love to death is Patrick O'Neill. Um, he was one of the big hosts for Fox Sports West back then. He still is 15 years after. And I remember talking to Patrick and just asking him for advice when I met him during my internship years at Fox. And he was always, always so kind. And right now, because of the Kings, we've shared so many on-camera moments together. And that was part of the key for me. Like, I want to meet you. I'm going to pick your brain about how to get word to where I'm going to get. But I'm never going to forget that you did that for me, right? Uh, a lot of people are just shy. And they don't talk to people. They just do whatever their, you know, their internship entitles and they leave. Uh, but it was not my case that I, I knew I, I needed to go above and beyond. I needed to talk to people. I wanted to, I needed to make my presence uh, felt 
and hurt. And, you know, it was the way it was. And, and some of the people, um, actually that generation of production people actually has uh, produced a lot of great talent uh, back then at Fox. Uh, are you familiar with Carissa Thompson? Yes, sir. Fox NFL? Of course, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you are. Yeah, well, yeah. Carissa <laughs> was, was uh, working HR, I think. She was an intern at the same time as I was. Uh, and she became, she's become one of the top talents in the country. She's done extra and NFL on Fox. I mean, I'm, I'm just so proud of her. And I see her uh, on, on, on Sundays at Fox when, when I call football there. And we talk and I'm like, man, can you believe we've actually made it so far, right? And for us, we're just two young kids just coming in, trying to get a place. And, but, you know, you can tell, like, for her, in her case, she was, she, she's only not very, very good looking, but she's so talented what she does. She, said, she has that stage presence and that command. And, like, you knew when talking to her and we're seeing, seeing her, and, you know, for the first time, you knew she was going to get places. Another guy that I work with, uh, uh, doing production at the news desk at Fox was Elliot Harrison from uh, okay. NFL Network. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy at uh, NFL.com and also coming on doing segments on TV as well. And um, Elliot and I used to sit, sit right next to each other. And uh, while we we're actually booking satellites or trying to book an interview with Ken Rosenthal to, you know, for Fox Sports West or something like that, we we're actually testing each other with baseball and football trivia, right? So uh, I remember, um, you know, talking to those to those guys, and at the time we didn't know we were gonna, you know, get made make make it to the major leagues. And maybe maybe we did, but at the same time, it was so. Uh, I mean, the concern was getting through the day, right? Getting paid and doing our jobs. But you know, what we all became accomplished and you know successful in our own field and our own ways. So, I mean, the only thing, not to deviate too much from your question, you know, the fact of the matter is just relationships, man, networking, that's going to be the key for you. You can't, if you really want to get, make it far in this business, you can't be shy. You need to make sure you make your presence heard. And you also need to make sure you find what makes you unique in this business. Uh, I always say that, you know, I might, I might sound like a broken record. But uh, yeah, you have to find what makes you unique. In my case, uh, going back to when I talked to Pepe Iñigas from the Dodgers, and I said, Pepe, I want to become a broadcaster. Well, he hooked me up with the people from Fox Español. So in my case, what made me unique was the fact that I had recently moved from Mexico, that my Spanish was perfect, and I could become a, a Spanish broadcaster. And then I noticed on the Spanish side of things, Fox had a lot of great products. They had NFL, they had MLB. They had the NBA, but everyone wanted to call soccer and everyone knew soccer. But, you know, being born and raised in Mexico City, which is a very, very um, diverse um, metropolis, you know, we love our NFL, we love our MLB. And I knew a lot about, quote unquote, American sports. So I thought that made me unique. So I focused. I eventually got into soccer because it was my path. Right. But uh, I knew that calling baseball you know, I was going to be able to get in because there were not so many baseball broadcasters, same with football, same with NBA. Uh, so I try to find ways to get into the business. And the great thing about it too, was the way television entertainment work, you usually start in small markets and eventually start moving up. But I was already living in LA. I had nowhere to go and I was not going to move to a small market. So for me, that small market, if you will, was Spanish television in Los Angeles. And I eventually 
got to where I wanted to get thanks to finding that niche um, business or, or that section of entertainment where I could be comfortable and then eventually become someone. Uh, I mean, it's a unique um, situation, right? But it's because you play to your strengths, like you said. I think you downplay it. I think you're humble, but I think you downplay it. But yeah, that's your talents led you to that success while, you know, the, the circumstances were different. But um, also, let me see off the top of my head. Like, but you know what? Just to add to it, every, everyone's talented. I mean, this world has a surplus of talented people. But you need more than talent to get by. And, you know, you're a baseball guy. And uh, Ken Griffey Jr., for example, might have been the most talented pl baseball player that's ever lived. But why doesn't he have the home run record? Why, does, why didn't he accomplish more? I, I honestly don't know. And I don't want to beat him too hard, but there is a reason why he didn't become the best player ever, right? Even though I think he must, must be the most talented player ever. And you see so many cases, not to hit too hard on Junior. He's an amazing talent, but just this is the first example that came to my head. There's a surplus of talents. But why do, why, why do you look at music is the same thing? Why do you look at, person, at some people, college players, and you're like, man, this guy was so talented. Maybe he liked to drink. Maybe he didn't like to train. Maybe he wasn't disciplined. But, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you for calling me talented. But, yeah, there's so many people right next to me that are talented. But at the same time, you have to want it, you know, and, or you have to be in the right place at the right time. So it's a combination of factors, then again, that, that you have to have in order for you to, to, to become the person you want to become. Well said. There's, there's, um, there's, let's say there's other students, right, that don't know how to even get into these doors, like, you know, an internship. Like, what classes should they take? What, you know, what, what program, what kind of schooling, like, do they do? small you know i don't want to hate on anybody but like those devry type schools those university of the phoenix because i think now they even offer i've seen it um what's it called broadcasting um network school something like that they offer like in order you know that's how they appease to the to the crowd like oh you want to be on sports center like make sure to come check out like what what would you be your recommendation for these young well, people I'm to I don't know how things are right now, but I can tell you about my experience back then. Um, I, as I said, I was a junior, um, and I know the school required you to um, to do an internship, right? And you need you had to do something with your career because I remember one of my teachers telling me, uh, mm -hmm. if it doesn't have anything to do with your career, you don't get any college credits. It's basically slavery, and that's a word that he used, right? And it makes sense. You you're not going to work anywhere for free or give your time for free without getting college credit. So um, your school has to authorize you to, to get that internship. Um, and the way I did it, I basically just started doing research. I basically just started going on websites and trying to just basically look for internships. And I remember 20th Century Fox had this opportunity in the sports uh, department for uh, Fox Sports Net. Um, and that's the way I found it. And I went to my interview and I nailed it, although I, another great story that I can tell you, the person who hired me, you know, was very, uh, uh, I think she, she showed a lot of empathy because I was late to the interview. Mm -hmm. I actually showed to the Fox lot uh, in Pico. That's where they film all the movies and everything, which is a busy place. I showed up at 8.55 for a 9 a.m. interview. 
I just didn't know there were going to be 20 other people trying to get into the lot at the same time. Wow. And I actually showed up to my interview like a 910. Uh, I needed to walk a lot after parking and it was, it was a little messy, but, uh, everything else went pretty well. And that's the reason I guess why you and I are talking right now, but, um, that's, that's really what I did. So if it works the same way, I could tell you just Google your sports internships or you go into like, if you want to go into sports, you know, go into the ESPN website, uh, go into the Fox website, just try to find what, like wherever you want to work, just be practical. And just, if it's CBS or NBC, whatever, or even right now, the world has changed so much. Like before, when I was when I started doing this, sports teams never looked at um, at Yahoo or or like websites or even blogs as anything. They looked down at them. And right now, some of these blogs and especially with MMA and boxing, you see it. They've kept sports alive because yeah. network network um, networks or some some TV stations are now getting too much into it. So right now it's, it's, it's a different story. So I would say whatever you want to work, if it's Yahoo sports, bleacher report, doesn't need to be TV only, but, uh, but websites, print media, whatever, just try and look at different places and try to see if they're accepting interns and then follow the requirements from your school. And that's it. I remember when I was going to Long Beach state, they actually had a broadcast internship class. The only thing gave you three credits. The only thing you needed to do was go and just talk about your internship. Talk about your experience within class, and that was it. So, so I, I think there are ways to do it. You just got to dig a little deeper uh, and just try to find whatever makes you comfortable, whatever will get you to where you want to get. Okay. And um, just thinking, you know, um, like you mentioned it, you know, like, of course, you know, the comfort, I think, you know, the money, the, but you touch on it more as far as the legacy what type of legacy do you want to leave? Um, I, as I said, I, I mean, in my own mind, I'm in my own hall of fame. I, I know I have, I've done everything that I've wanted to do so far when it comes to broadcasting, which has led me, as I said, to reinvent myself. I, I, I mean, I think I'm always going to be on TV. I'm always going to be on radio. I'm a broadcaster by nature, but at the same time, what else can I do to, um, to make sure I leave something I remember? One of the things that, um, that we've been working on in my role as a consultant for the Kings, we actually, um, we struck a deal with, a, with a, an ice hockey rink in Mexico City to take their Junior Kings program there, which is historic uh, because it will be the first time any sports team in the U.S., any kind of sport, any professional league, is actually in Mexico with that type of program. Um, and I can tell you, was, I was very fortunate to be architect of it, to get the people that I, we, we needed to get and get the connections that we needed to get with the help of my wife, we, who knew some people in the business in Mexico. And we were able to strike this deal with the Kings. Unfortunately, we were about to go to Mexico in March, but we had to cancel it because of COVID-19. But, you know, we had a lot of kids already interested, a lot of kids already registered you know, for our first clinics down there. And the first time we're going to have presence in Mexico. So it's things like that, where, you know, you want to take the Kings brand into Mexico and that's historic in its own right. Maybe think about the first NHL in Mex game in Mexico ever. Those are the type of things that I want to do. Like go above and beyond. Yeah, I know I like what I do and I think I am good or I want to believe I'm good at what I do. But at the same time, what else can I do as a broadcaster? 
Oh, can I do it as a consultant? Can I uh, bring people together? Like the, the deal with LAFC and Estrella TV, like I, I was a huge advocate of that. I really wanted to connect those places together. And now uh, LAFC will be seen at some point when this is over, you know, LAFC will be seen on Estrella TV at some point. And it's not only because I am going to be the one calling the games, but I wanted to make sure I'm involved in something more than that. Or when we had the first Kings uh, game on TV, on we actually aired it on Prime Ticket. Like I was not the, only the broadcaster, but I went in, I, I I brought talent in. I I was uh, part you know a part-time producer in the show. Like I needed to know that everything that I was doing or everything I was going going to air, I had some control over. Like everything that I do now, it's it's not only about just controlling something but making sure like if I'm going to be tied up to something or my name is going to be tied up to something it's going to have the quality that I or, or it's going to leave up to my standards so anything that could be considered part of LA LA sports history I want a part of do you know what makes a best-selling book a bestseller what makes a book a bestseller is that Be- the question yeah um, I, I don't know. Uh, best-selling content, like something that okay. everybody relates to. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you need to write a book on your journey, your, your thoughts, you know, at different stages in your life, the, the ups and downs, the whole, cause it's one thing, you know, I not to tell people don't listen to this episode. This has been great, but I feel like maybe, you know, once you get older, once you, because I know that sounds like you have a lot of things in the works but you have a bestseller and you got to share it with the world. Yeah. You know what? There, there's just so many anecdotes and so many different things. And I don't, I don't necessarily live them because uh, I know that I'm going to write a book at some point, but um, I, I, I think I've been very fortunate to leave so many different moments in my life that I feel proud of having lived. And it doesn't necessarily include sports. But I've been through sports, I've been able to give my family great moments of joy. I've been able to meet some of my idols, not only sports, but in music. I have met, you know, a lot of people that I idolized and I've hang out with or become friends with a lot of with rock stars and former athletes that I looked up to when I was a kid. Right. And those things are there's obviously some anecdotes that you can you can talk about some that you can't because mm-hmm. yeah. you know the, I know. You, they're I know. off the record right yeah. but but you know what you know some of those stories are amazing and, and yeah I think I, I thank you for the for the advice it's something I really hadn't thought about but definitely and it needs to it needs to happen at some point because I, I would guarantee you like there's there's never been a dull moment in my life and and by that I'm not I don't necessarily mean you're gonna uh see or read a book of sex drugs and rock and roll right I'm my life might be boring because I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. I, I'm happily married, right? Like my, my, my life might be boring to other people, but I can tell you, man, I, I have so many different stories about, you know, hanging out with, with athletes and celebrities or anecdotes of my own, you know, my own life and everything. So yeah, why not? Thank you for giving me advice. Believe me, when that happens, I'm definitely going to give you credit in the book. <laughs> I look forward to that. I, I That'd be crazy, but... Now, man, just hearing you, you know, I've, I've brought on a lot of guests, uh, some friends, some strangers, not saying you're a stranger, but, you know, people, you know, not acquaintances, if you will, 
and just hearing your story i feel it not only has it resonated with me you know uh mexican man immigrant I, myself i mean um i just kind of like there's like you said people tell me you know why should i start a podcast you know people won't listen to me and mine isn't about me like it's about the guests but i tell them dude i'm a nobody and i bring people on and they share their story and that well uh, I, resonates I beg with to the be people. fair I, I beg to be fair uh and i think that's if you allow me anything don't 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 ever say that i mean we're all in this world for a reason and honestly if you are nobody i wouldn't be talking to you right now <laughs> so so you know feel and that's what i said before taking me back to what i said before make sure you make sure you feel proud of any anything and everything that you do right we all we all have a part in this world just just gotta find what you want to do but but uh, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm getting too deep into things, but <laughs> no, <laughs> into, no, no, into philosophical issues or whatever. But no, no, no man, I... you're 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 a talented guy. Just you know, and if you don't feel that way, then make sure you you um you meditate and and you get to 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 the point where you find that 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 reason or that that path. I, I appreciate the kind words and Let's actually compromise. I I do okay. meditate daily now. It's one of, I did twenty challenges with the listeners. Uh, meditation was one of them so i've been only one day so far on the year i haven't done it but i i, I mean i'm confident in my abilities I, I like what i'm doing this is fun this is a hobby but it is you know it's been taken off the quarantine out of everything that's bad this has really taken off i think because nobody has anything to do and they're tired of netflix sure. so they tune in and it's really taken <laughs> off but um what i mean as me as a nobody is like my accomplishments are they're not grand, you know. Yes, I, every job I go to, I end up being a manager, uh, being a supervisor, things like that. You know, my accomplishments on the field were like, he's the best teammate you could have, but I was never the best player. So I'm, I'm aware of my capabilities. But what I mean is like, I get musicians to come on here and share their story. You know, I get a psychologist to come in here and talk about everything that's going on at the border. You know, how these kids will be uh, the, the, the spare they're going to deal with for the you know, the, the, the rest of their life, you know, being separated from parents. So I don't mean like a nobody as a nobody. Like I, I'm a very confident person in, in life. I'm happy and all that. But I just mean like getting people like yourself. It's not about me is what I mean. The show is about the people that come on, you know, the cool kids table podcast is the cool kid. You are the cool kid. People get to hear what happens at the cool table. That's what I meant. I, but I appreciate the kind words, but yeah. Um, and that's what I, I've seen that, people resonate with the because you know like like you said my journey wasn't I, yeah i can't remember exactly how you said it but people want like a, a tragic story and like but no ev everybody has different tragedies in their life and they deal with it differently some people would have quit that's what maybe maybe you don't see because you're such a go-getter but some people would have been you know what us was hard the school was hard they wanted me to carry these things i'm i'm, I'm not a rookie and that would have been it for a lot of people for a lot sure and that's why, like I mentioned earlier, you, you kept going after it. You didn't stop. And it's one thing that we all deal with failure in different types with bumps in the road, if you will. You know, everybody has a different story. And some people will say, yeah, I remember when I started this new job, everybody, whatever, and I couldn't do it. So I quit. But that's not where their story ends. They go and yeah, find you, something else. You know else. what? A lot of times people think, like, we tend to look at the person right next to us and think, you know what, this dude had it easy or this girl, you know, they inherited money or, you know, they had, they had great connections or whatever. And we'd never think about what other people had to go through 
to make sure they um they they accomplish something in life. Uh, an example, a great example that I can that I can give you. Um, so I talked about my cousin being a huge um, actress, and then becoming the first lady of Mexico. Her daughter, uh, Sofia Castro, who you know I, I like to give a shout out to. She's become an actress in her own right. She recently did uh, the Hispanic version on Univision of uh, Dancing with the Stars, okay. which is called Mira Quien Baila. And she got to the final and she didn't win, which was a travesty to me, but it is what it is. My point is a lot of people might think it is easy to become an actor when your mom is so famous, when your dad is a famous uh, soap opera producer, when you have all the money in the world. And you know what? People don't tend to think, man, I have so much pressure to achieve something mm -hmm. because of the footsteps that I have to follow. People are blasting me on social media every single freaking day, telling me that I don't deserve what I've done, that I don't deserve to get what I've, where I've gotten because, you, because of my, my family or because of connections or because of my money. And we don't tend to think of those things or, or those pressures, right? Like even like if we look at our president, and then again, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the, the businessman, Donald Trump. A lot of people tend to think, well, he was a businessman and, you know, he went bankrupt, this and that. But he survived for a reason, right? Because he was witty or because he was clever about his own business. Uh, even you think about a Bill Gates. I mean, I'm sure Bill Gates and Steve Jobs failed multiple times before getting to where they, they wanted to get. So like we all fail. It doesn't matter how famous you are. We all go through depression. We all go through, uh, through misery in our own right. Um, but a lot of times it's easier for us to think, well, the person right next to us is just famous because he's famous and because he's rich and he didn't have to go through anything. I think we all, whatever we've done in our lives, even I think success is something that's in our heads. Uh, but even what we have, accomplished or not, I think you have to understand then again what you have done to get to that point. And at the same time, think also that everyone who's successful or that you consider successful has gone through something and has gone through their own struggles to become the person that they become. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I touch on repeatedly with the audience is um, don't compare yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself, you know, be better than you were yesterday and be better than you were last week, a month ago, a year ago, you know, just perfection isn't the goal, you know, progress is if you're doing better, being better, getting better, you'll stop comparing yourself to others because, you know, a lot of people tell me, you know, I, I wish I could have an audience like, you know, like I started with nothing, you know, nobody, nobody came and listened, you know, at the beginning, it had to build itself over time. And, you know, now that it has listens, that it has followers, that it has, I guess, quote unquote fans, I'm like, that wasn't the case. You know, where, were, where was it when people, you know, I, I look at the stats and hardly any listens. Luckily, you know, I have a great group of friends, of acquaintances that have supported me. But when it's just kind of like you look at the numbers, you're like, it's probably just my friends. And, you know, it, like not to pat myself on the back, but a lot of people would have quit. I know they have because they talk about it like on the forums, you know, like oh, I did two, three episodes, but nobody listened. And I just kept saying, you know, long-term picture, long-term picture. I'm doing this for five years down the road. And actually today is the 30th. Our, our one year anniversary was last week on the 23rd. Right, April 23rd. Congratulations. Thank you. 
And, you know, and it's a thing that I look now and I'm like, okay, don't do it for, I'm not going to be Joe Rogan. I don't want to be Joe Rogan. I don't want to be Brendan Schaub. I don't want to be these guys. You know, they, they're their own person. I want to be Hector Aguilar. I want to have this show continue to bring people on like yourself and just watch it grow. If it doesn't grow, you know, just have that audience that tunes in and enjoys it. You know, I'm doing it for me. It sounds selfish, but I'm doing this for me. Um, I treasure these moments, you know, these conversations. And to be honest with you, I talk about it all the time. I don't know when I, when I'll start, but I don't listen to this again. I'm saving it for down the road, you know, like, I don't know, maybe episode 100. This would be episode 30. In a year, this is episode 30. Maybe at 100, I'll be like, okay, now it's been two, three years. I can go back and start listening to them, see the growth of the show, see the growth of me as a person. But I just kind of, that's why I treasure the moment. That's why I kind of, I live in the moment. You know, I plan for the future, but I live in the moment. And I'm just grateful for people like yourself that will take time of their day and come and do this. And, you know, to make it not a motivational one, but I tell people like, if I can do it, that's one of the things I say, you know, I'm an illegal immigrant. I did not speak English till the third grade. And now people tell me like, your vocabulary is so vast. How do you do it? I'm like, I just read. I, this year, one of the challenges is read 16 books on the year. I'm, I'm barely going to finish one today. I'm trying to do it before yeah. April. But on the, on the regular, I used to read. But now with busy, being so busy and everything, and it's, it's what I tell people, if I can do it of all people, you know, I didn't go to college. I took two semesters in college and I realized that I was – it was not for me at the time, you know, now as an adult, as a 31 year old male, I say, I, I wish I would have done things differently, but I'm still grateful for the journey. You know, I don't think I'll ever write a book, but I have the stories to be able to say, Hey, look, it wasn't easy. There were days when I thought about it, like, why am I going to go just work 12 hours at my job? And I got to go record a two or three hour episode and then go edit for two, three hours and then work for another 12 hours tomorrow. Like, why am I doing this? And then I would just do it, you know, enjoy the conversation, meet somebody great. And then on the drive home, because I, I still live, I mean, I lived in El Monte. I'm not sure you're familiar with it. You said you went to Wilson. Of course. I went to yeah. Mountain View. I lived there okay. for 30 years, and I just moved out to Moreno Valley. So I was driving an hour, hour and a half daily, and then an hour, hour and a half back home. And then I just kept saying, this is going to pay off in the long run. Just keep doing it. And that's what, you know, I talked to the audience. Like, right now, you know, it's, what do they call it? Breaking the third wall. Like, a lot of shows will not say, hey, audience, what do you think? I'll ask them, shoot me a DM if you liked it. Tell me what you think about this because I feel like it's a new media. And then I, I don't know how many people, but you know, sometimes when I have a musician on or a, another podcaster, they'll be like, Oh, I'm going to message that person. You know, I really like what they said. I'm going to listen to the show. So I don't know if you'll get any messages or anything like that. But what I mean is like you said, networking, this is, they could go back and listen to this episode. And that is part of the network. You know, it's a new venture you know if they ever start a podcast they could go back and say like you said that episode made me kind of like okay this is what i want to do i want to do a youtube channel a cooking channel yeah. uh, a woodworking whatever it may be but it's just sometimes people need those words you know i could tell them their family could tell them that but when it's somebody that has the credentials like yourself to go out there and say hey you know if i could do it you can do it that's when it starts like okay okay you they hear your background story you know because they might see you on tv but they don't you know, like some of my favorite um, people on, on TV are Stan Verrett and Neil Everett, the 10 p.m. Sports Center guys. But I don't yeah. know much about them. You know, I love their on-screen presence, but I don't know much about them. I know that uh, one of them went to Oregon. The other one's from Louisiana because LSU, Oregon, that's what they talk about, you know. But 
once you get to, if you were to know their story, things change. And that's what I want to say with you. Like you're a great on-screen personality. You do a great job, but they might just see you and be like, okay, well, the Laker game's over. Let me change the channel. Well, the Dodger game's over. Let me change the channel. You know, let's watch, I don't know, whatever might be on after 10 PM, right? Maybe the sports center. And once they get to hear you and see your struggles, see your successes, it makes you more relatable, not just because, oh, that's a brown person on TV, you know, that's a person of, that's one of us. It makes it more like that's, that could be me, which I yeah. think is invaluable. I, I think to your point, um, and this is not, not blasting anybody or anything, but you need to, like, in today's world, you need to be relatable. And that's, you need to expand your brand. And that, that will only help you. And I understand people will not, maybe not need it because, you know, they're already famous or whatever. But, you know, for someone who's not the most famous person in their uh, profession like myself, uh, but those okay either way, um, I, I feel I, I genuinely, and it's not that I need to talk to people, but I, I enjoy it. I actually genuinely enjoy talking to fans and interacting at times there's i mean i'm being very honest with you i am very careful now with the people that i interact with because mm -hmm. i've had you know i'm not telling you that i get bombarded with messages on social media but i've had a couple of bad experiences you know i've had the usual stalker which has you know there, there was this time and not a lot of people know about this but there was this time when this girl actually i i think she got uh, obsessed with me and she first wanted an autograph and a picture. And then I actually never met her. And she contacted my wife telling her that we were together at a hotel in one of my, um, my, my, my travels doing soccer, you know? Wow. So I've been, I've been very careful nowadays with who I, who I reply to. And you actually, you were kind enough to contact me on social media and uh, tell, tell me that you have to do this. And that's why obviously I follow the same protocol for everyone send me an email uh to my to my work or contact me via my work email send me details let me have the record let me know what you're about i obviously listen to to part of your you know you know your last show with uh with ron savage uh the the baseball coach yeah so i mean i i do i have to do my own research because yeah. it's my brand to be honest with you I, it's it's my name and i i am not going to be associated with something that i believe in at the same time if you call me and i don't approve your product, it doesn't matter how big or how small you are, uh, I'm not gonna come on the show, right? So um, it's, but for me, I genuinely enjoy it. Um, I remember with the Kings, one of the things that happened, that helped me in my consultant role in, in terms of knowing my audience was interacting with people. We would have trivias to give away tickets on every game. And what did I do? I actually had people reply to me on my social media with the answer. And then I would be the one interacting with people during timeouts, right? And then I remember a lot of people talking, talking to me in English despite being a Spanish broadcast. I'm like, this is interesting. Why is this happening? And then I came to the realization that a lot of our hockey audience here in LA is uh, like a first or second generation Latino who speaks mostly English but enjoys yeah. the Spanish call or enjoys listening to the game with their parents, right? That's because me. their parents That's, speak. I, I am exactly. your, um, your demographic exactly so that that's my point um and and that's because of something that i did but at the same time i'm not going to tell you talking to people or being nice is just a marketing tool i mean i genuinely enjoy you know mingling with people and, and talking to people i mean 
as I said, I haven't gotten to that to that point where I cannot walk, you know, within Staples Center because people are just gonna mock me. I'm, I'm, it's not it's not that. But at the same time, anytime someone approaches me or someone sends me a message, I'm gonna be kind enough to um to actually acknowledge them. And and one of the things you, you do need to have an attitude, and you need to be proud of yourself, and you need you you obviously can't be. Uh, tend to take advantage, and that's just the way it is. Hello, hello. Uh, you, you cut out for a second. Are you back? Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Did I? Oh no, no, you're good. You're good. Did I, I think... lose you? Okay. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, I, I just cut I out for a second. Like my yeah. yeah, yeah. But my point is, you you need to have some kind of um, uh, personality attitude, if you will, because if you're nice to people, people tend to take advantage, and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. If you're too nice, you need to know, you know, know the fine line between being, you know, having that attitude and not being an asshole, you know. Uh, but I remember, you know, just going back to my childhood and once again, going back to my family, my cousin, uh, when she was uh, at the peak of her career, I remember her going to my school and being mobbed by other kids because they want an autograph or a picture and going to theme parks and seeing her give every single person that approach her an autograph right so I, I i learned about that and i learned to be humble because of examples that i saw in my life so right now whenever i see a hollywood celebrity or an athlete being a jerk to a fan there's no excuse for that in my i mean you might have a bad day and unfortunately it is what it is but there's just too many people that have too many bad days right um and that's that's very unfortunate because you never know who you're gonna meet or who you're gonna be nice to, and and if you're gonna change that person's life, yeah. uh, I've seen so many athletes and, and celebrities being too nice to people, and I've been some others. I've seen some others being jerks. Uh, I've actually lived through it myself. As I said, I've been very fortunate to meet a lot of rock stars that I looked up to and that were so nice to me and talked to me. Maybe because I'm a Kings broadcaster, or because I'm TV now. I don't know how they would have approached me had they had I not been you know, in entertainment or whatever, but I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking, oh, this person was super nice. I'm grateful for that moment. And at the same time, I've been through the, the usual moment where someone has been a jerk. To me. It is what it is, right? But I, you know, going back to me specifically, I, I really enjoy talking to people. I, I enjoy mingling with people and I enjoy getting feedback too. And, you know, one of the things that I feel very proud about is, um, there's one thing that I remember when I was calling games for Fox on the English side and I was, um, I was going to be the sideline reporter for Mexico against the U S I don't know how much soccer you follow, but the U S, uh, had never lost to Mexico in U S soil. Yeah. Right. And they had been, you know, beating them in Columbus every time. And this was a very cold, uh, November evening in Columbus and Mexico actually got the game, but, you know, I was freezing my butt off, but that's, that's another point. What I remember is um, this guy, uh, Caucasian, probably 20-something-year-old, comes up to me. And I'm like, is this guy going to give me a hard time? Because, I mean, there were no Latinos there at the stadium. That's, that's for sure. There were probably yeah. a few Mexican fans that drove from other places. And I remember talking to some guys, I think, from Monterrey, telling me that the, the, the tickets were sold out and needed to pay like 600 bucks and, you know, to get into the stadium, right? Because they sold no tickets to the visiting team. Obviously, they wanted all the advantage, and that's the way it should be, right? You, you need to find your own or use your own weapons to make sure you have all the support you can get. So this Caucasian male approaches me, 
And he's like, hey, Francisco, how you doing? I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And he's like, man, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of your work. Can I take a picture with you? I'm like, really? And this is Columbus, Ohio, man. Yeah. This is not freaking <laughs> East Angeles, LA. California, people, yeah. Yeah, where people are, you know, um, you know, watching my broadcast on Estrella TV. And then, you know, Estrella has given me a lot of exposure because La Raza really likes Estrella TV, right? It's a, it's a channel yeah. for, for La Raza. And, and despite being on, on network TV or, or, or Fox or, you know, many of the other channels or the teams that I work for, you know, most of the people or the, the, the more people that are, or the more that I work at Estrella, the more people recognize me on the street, right? So then again, this is not East LA or Boyle Heights or El Monte or Hacienda Heights. This is Columbus, Ohio. And for someone who's from a different race, if you will, to come to me and say he's a big fan and ask for a picture, that was like, man, that's very humble. So it really doesn't matter who it is or what race or ethnicity or you, you, you come from. I, I genuinely uh, like to interact with people and I like to hear your story. And uh, it, it's, it's just part of me. I, I'm, I guess I'm a social butterfly. And I'm a storyteller by nature. At the same time, I want to listen to those stories. And maybe you have some, something interesting to say. Um, one of the things that I, one of these great anecdotes that I have, maybe say for a book at some point. When I was going to Long Beach State, um, so I graduate and I kept some good relationships with some, um, some teachers. And there's been the, the, the usual time when I go back to, to campus and, and talk to students. And, and I remember back in 2007 i graduated in 2006 so back in 2007 they invited me back and i gave a speech to one of the classes and i had this latino girl approaching me at the end of the class and telling me that she felt very proud of what i did and that i wanted and she wanted to become a tv personality a producer or someone in the business so i actually just being nice i said well thank you for for talking to me thank you for approaching me if there's anything i can do for you let me know i really value the fact that you came up to me and talked to me right so we kept in touch long story short she became a producer at estrella tv and wow. back in 2015 when i was in between jobs i was in transition she called me up she's like man we need a sports anchor estrella tv can you come fill that void and i'm like and I'm like, yeah, let me look at my schedule. What do I have on oh, nothing? Yeah, I can go tomorrow. <laughs> I can, I'm ready to go, right? And, and I bring this point because I didn't talk to her because I knew she was going to be a producer at Estrella TV. And eight years later, she was going to help me. I was genuinely being nice. And, you know, I didn't know what she was going to accomplish. I just talked to her because I thought, you know, she actually had, she took her own time to come talk to me. Well, I'm going to be nice enough to give that time back to someone. And, you know, it eventually helped me out. It paid out. For me. It paid off for me, even though I didn't do it for that reason. You know, so that's, that's uh, once again, the point about being, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate people who are not necessarily social. Each, each person has its own personality. But at the same time, if I know consciously that I can be nice to people, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best at, at, at being nice to people. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, it pays off in other ways too, you know, at the end of the day, being a good person, you're a good person. So that's worth more than gold. And I read a book. You, you have a lot of anecdotes. You have a lot of 
I mean, we haven't even touched on, I don't want to be that person. Like, who's the coolest celebrity you've met? Who's the funny? Yeah, I don't want to do that. Cause that's not fair to you to have to pick somebody, but you'd be I able could to do share that. those stories. Okay. I could do that. Who's the funniest guy you've met? Like celebrity wise. That's just funny, uh, you know, like, well, I, I could, I could go with Will Ferrell. I mean, he, um, we're not friends or anything, but I guess now he knows who I am because I'm a broadcaster for the team that he owns, LAFC. Yeah. But he's also a huge Kings fan, mm-hmm. right? So, I've so, seen him uh, a few times at the Kings games. Exactly. So there was a time a couple of months ago when I was walking to the stadium, going to the players' ramp, and there he is. And I'm like, hey, boss. So we started talking about you know, um, the, the Latino following hockey and LAFC and whatnot. So we actually have something in common to talk about. Um, so that was, it was great. And, you know, the fact of the matter, he knows who I am. So that's, that's amazing. And, and when you, I don't know if he was funny at the time we were talking, but he's probably the funniest guy that I, that I, the celebrity that I've met because of, I mean, I'm a big fan of his either way. So, yeah, I mean, I think you would probably have to go with, with Will Ferrell. That's beautiful. Who's the best dresser? Best dresser. Uh, I would have to go with our very own Daryl Evans. Mm. You, you can be Daryl, man. Uh, and for those of you who don't know who Daryl is, he was uh, a Kings player. He scored one of the most famous goals in the history of the franchise, Miracle in Manchester, back in 82. And Daryl retired, became a Kings broadcaster. His suits are the best thing. And I can tell you, man, I, I, I like to dress. I, I have my own style. And I'm not going to say outrageously or not, but I like to dress in my own way, not follow any rules. Daryl is in a category of his own. He's, he's amazing. His suits are simply incredible. Uh, one of the anecdotes that I have, um, I took, I recently took Jorge Campos, who was okay. a former Galaxy and Mexican goalie. national team yeah, goalkeeper, yeah. of course. That's, that's, our, yeah. that's our guy. And Jorge, you know, he, he used to, I mean, he was quite a character. He used to yeah. dress these colorful Flamboyant uh, colors. Yeah. Exactly. Goalie sweaters and everything. So I actually introduced Daryl and Jorge. And I told Jorge, I showed some pictures. I'm like, man, I am introducing two of the most fashionable people in the history of sports and that time everyone was interested in meeting jorge and you if you don't know who he is you might not think he was an athlete or even a goalkeeper because he's a short guy for a goalkeeper but once they knew who he was everyone wanted a piece of jorge former players other celebrities they wanted to know him because he was man for me like if you like if you're a baseball guy now and you think maybe clayton kershaw cody cody bellinger mike trout Jorge, dude, he was our Mike Trout back in the day. He was one of the best goalkeepers in the in the world. Not not to say in Mexico, he was he's a, he was a rock star. So anyway, uh, I introduced these two guys, and Jorge, he he loves it, right? And he tells me, brother, you gotta put me in touch with Daryl because I'm gonna give him like a like a suit. Like I'm gonna like let's say he likes to dress on like theme suits. You know, like it's like Gay Pride or St. Patrick's or Halloween, whatever he is. Like Daryl chooses something, right? Uh, he, he, like Jorge told me, I'm going to actually not not sell him. I'm actually going to gift him a mariachi suit, but I oh. but a good one, a classy one, I like a, a big charro suit. Uh, when we have like Latino Heritage Night, so let me know. Give me his phone number. Let's make sure we get his measurements. Well, I'll make it happen for him as a gift. To, to Daryl. So, yeah, definitely. Daryl, there is, is in a category of his own. He's, and not only the best dressed man, but he's also an amazing individual, an amazing human being. Okay. Uh, this is this is a, a good one just because uh, for 
for the quarantine, I, 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 I got a mullet just to commemorate, you know, just to be able to remember this. And so a lot of people have been sending me their haircuts or, you know, how their, their fro has gotten or how their hair <laughs> has not. Who has the best hair? Uh, of the celebrities that I met? Yeah. Ooh, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, as a male, I, I cannot tell. There's, there's many guys that tell you I don't, that they don't appreciate male beauty. I'm, I'm actually, I'll be very honest. And I think if you're good looking, I will tell you you're a good looking dude. Yeah. But um, I, don't, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't look at hair. But um, let's see. Well, I remember one of the things, one of the guys that I looked up to that I think was a, was a huge personality. And when I met him for the first time, like I used to see him play for a little bit and see him baseball cards. And he didn't look, look that big of, a, of a, like that, that tall and that, that's, that actually big of a guy when I, when I met him. Steve Lyons. I remember uh, Psycho yeah. Steve Lyons who was a Dodger broadcaster? Yeah. That dude, man, you know, dressed in a suit, tall dude. Uh, he was a second baseman and shortstop. I mean, I didn't know second baseman and shortstop were so tall when I met him. That guy had hair. I remember like long, curly, like, like wavy, blonde hair. I'm like, man, this is a good looking dude. So I remember, no, so that I'm thinking is he's the first guy that came to mind when you told me about, you know, celebrities and hair. He, I, would, I would have to say him. He had quite a personality and that hair, man, was amazing. With me, that's, if you tell me one of the things that I would change, I'm, I'm not 100% with my hair. I, I, I'm not going to say I hate it, but it's tough. And especially during these times I haven't gotten a haircut, yeah. I've been on TV, it's a mess. Like I don't have, like my dad has uh, curly hair. Most of my family have wavy hair. In my case... I probably have the worst hair I have in, in, in my family and my relatives. So uh, when I see a dude with, with nice hair, I, as I said, I don't pay attention too often. But I, when, I, when I see a dude with good hair, I, I definitely have to, have to acknowledge it. Okay, last one. Because this being the Cool Kids Table podcast, like who's the coolest person you met? It could be famous or not. Just, you know, some, sometimes you meet somebody and you're just like, they could have been an athlete. They could have been an accountant. They could have ended up, I don't know not to take anything away from anybody, but, you know, they could have ended up being a street sweeper, uh, working at a laundromat. Some people are just naturally cool. Who is uh, the coolest person you've met? With that one, I am probably ha going to have to go with a celebrity because if that's not a friend of mine, because if it's someone, because if it's someone that I know and who I hang out and, min and mingle with, and I don't mention that person might be, that might be a little unfair. Let's do both. Well, let's, let's not narrow it. Do both. Well, let's say non-friend. Um, so let's say oof, coolest person that I've met. Um, that's probably up to interpretation because you have to click with that person. That's but true. I can tell you in the last few years, there's a couple of people that come to mind that I have really clicked with. Uh, one of them, um, are you a rock guy at all? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, so Art Cruz, who's a drummer of Lamb of God. Okay. He's actually from uh, a guy from East LA. And as you say, like you and I, La Raza, a Latino, dream of being a, a heavy metal uh, drummer, a rock star. And he became, he realized his dream, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I we met through social media. I invited him to a hockey game recently. He came uh, and we've become, we hit it off from then. Uh, and he's not, I mean, he's a guy that I looked up to because he's one of the best drummers in the world. And I'm a huge rock guy, you know, I'm, you know, rock and roll is, you know, besides sports is, is the other big part of my life. 
So being able to hang out and, and share stories with them, uh, just incredible. It's just incredible. And then again, we had so many things in common. I recently, I actually invited him to the last LAFC game that we had before this coronavirus uh, situation. So we, we, we constantly stay in touch and we become really, really good friends recently. That is um, cool, man. That's and, you, you know, pardon the pun, but that is so cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm hanging out with a rock star, man. <laughs> and, you know, I'm we're, I'm we're thinking about you know doing something on Zoom and jamming on Skype or something. And and for for someone like me who's you know always pursued a career in music as well, besides sports, it's just incredible to to call someone like that a friend. And I remember um uh um my I have my my wife has has family in Tijuana. One of her cousins is a is a doctor there, and her husband, who's a doctor as well works in sports actually with with athletes in, in in mexico he's a huge heavy metal fan and and he's a huge fan of ours and uh, i told him really you like lamb of god i'm like yeah man i saw your picture that's amazing so next thing i did we're eating tacos in tijuana one of the best you know the best taco places that i've been to so we're just having a great time there and i call art and i'm like dude i'm with a fan of yours this this guy's a huge huge fan he's seen you in concert three times in, in Mexico, and I think he saw you in San Diego, too. Why don't you call me on FaceTime? Let's give this guy a shout-out, dude. So he's like, yeah, dude. I'm, he was actually at spring training at the time because he's a huge baseball fan. He was in spring training. Uh, he's driving back to L.A., and he's like, dude, as soon as I get home, I'll call you. And then a couple hours passed by. I thought he forgot about it, and all of a sudden, he calls on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And, my, and this guy – is just like he can't believe it. Like he's in shock, man. He's he can't believe he's actually talking to one of his idols. It's amazing. So I made that moment happen. And for art to just be able to make that moment happen for me, uh, is it, just incredible. So he's a guy that we 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 hit it off right right from the start. Uh, and and how can you be a rock star, a heavy metal drummer, all tattooed up, long hair, uh, and not be considered cool, right? Yeah, yeah. And plus, he's, he's one of the sweetest people. But, but he's one of the sweetest guys I've ever met, seriously. I mean, he is, he, uh, he is, then again, he has that mean look and whatever. And he looks like, like a creepy heavy metal drummer, but he's one of the sweetest people that I've ever met. He's, he's that guy that will come and give you a hug and say, brother, uh, sending you much love, sending you hugs, best wishes for your family and your family. He's that type of guy. For, for whatever reason, I've met a lot of uh like heavy metal drummers and they're for whatever reason the nicest people i've met fred curry from cinderella guns and roses another uh guy that i consider my friend now is just an amazing amazing person and he's he's one of the nicest people in the world that's what i'm saying like for for whatever reason heavy metal drummers have that sweet spot um and when it comes to um to the king's family um a guy that i recently met and that i think god put in my path for a reason uh, his name is Jonathan Lowe. He was until recently the uh, senior vice president of brand and marketing development and many other things for the Kings. Uh, we recently met. He right away became one of my biggest advocates within the Kings family. And we hit it up right from the start because he's like, like our big thing was fashion, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm huge into, you know, like huge fashion follower. And we hit it off from then. And we started finding out we had a lot of things in common. And besides having that uh, professional bond, we started finding out there was there was more to it. 
it's like having that romance and i don't know if you have yeah. a friend that, yeah. where you, you share so many things like we have friends like i have friends that have that have i've had the same friends for like 10 15 years three or four and we already know our, our strengths our weaknesses but then there's times in when when you meet someone and right from the get-go you know that this guy is gonna be your bro for a yeah. while like, the yeah, song starts playing by the white stripes i can tell that we yeah exactly gonna, yeah yeah he, like, he's gonna be the guy that your wife is gonna give you a hard time because you're spending more time with him than with her <laughs> so that's that's the guy um so so i i know jonathan has been a a huge huge part of my life he recently um um left the king's organization he worked with ag for 20 years and he became the chief marketing officer of the la out show which was one of the biggest events, obviously, in LA. I don't know if you've been. Yeah. But um, I can't wait for, for this to go back to normal. The auto show is back in November, so can't wait to be there and just congratulate him. I'm sure he's going to be doing a, a, a great job there. And he's a freaking CMO, man. He's a freaking boss. So I'm really proud of that guy. But he's, he's one of those people that I've met recently that, you know, I'm like, man, this is a cool guy. I want to hang out with that guy because he's not a rock star. He's not an actor. He's not a guy that I saw on TV or an athlete that I want to hang out with. But at the same time, you know, he's a rock star in what he does. The rock star uh, in life. Yeah, exactly. And he's um, plus plus he's a big time executive. So, <laughs> you know, said. But uh, but yeah, what, one of the things that I have to say about all the people that I've met in this LA Kings advisory board, which he made me a part of, uh, these are not only people who are very successful what they do and and there are some names that are part of it um um who's there michael sugar who's one of the biggest hollywood producers part of the group uh colin hanks tom hanks's son and a very good actor and producer in his own right fred curry who i mentioned before gabe Sachs, who's um, a very talented producer writer and director he actually was one of the writers on freaks and geeks on geeks I don't know if you watched that yeah, show. Yeah, great show. That's favorite. right. Uh, yeah. Seth Rogen yeah. got his start. And... Exactly. So yeah. Gabe was one of the main guys at the Freaks and Geeks. So when we met, I'm like, that's a cool dude. I want to hang out with you. <laughs> you, 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 you were both Freaks and Geeks, man. I, like, I, uh, you know, please, uh, I, I want to spend time with you. And we become good friends as well. Um, Pfeiffer Fighting, I don't know if you're familiar with, with the artist. He was very big in the early 2000s, late 90s. Say that um, again, the five for fighting uh, okay. no not familiar with that one uh frank Agnoni, who's the the third guy in command of south park okay right after right after Matt, uh, Matt and Matt, uh stone and trey parker he's the third one in command if you if you look at the credits uh he's the guy that comes right after them oh, he's wow. part of an advisory board as well and frank we have become friends per se but he knows who i am we've talked he actually recently invited me to to the studios, which would be a dream come true for me because because of South. I'm a huge yeah. fan of South Park. I've, I've been since 1999. Um, so my point is, um, no, not only and I've met also you know great CEOs and and business owners who are very very um, big on what they do. My point is, uh, what's been great about meeting this group of people of cool people is the fact that they're also amazing individual, mm -hmm. individuals. Like those are not going to be the guys that are going to deny you of an autograph or a picture. Those are going to be, are going to be the guys that are going to have a, a very rich conversation with you for hours and hours. Um, so for me, if you're a cool guy, to qualify to be a cool guy, now you mention it and make me think about it, you have to be a nice person. 
and uh, and these are main, I don't like someone because well I may be um, shocked if I meet someone that I idolize because he was a rock star that I looked up to or a celebrity or an athlete or whatever but at the same time for us to hit it off and to continue a relationship after that you have to be a nice person and you have to share my interests and uh, and passions and whatnot so some of the people that I've mentioned that I've met recently without leaving a lot of people out of it. Uh, you know, these are, these are people that I genuinely like hanging out with, not because they're famous, but because we have something in common and because they are nice enough to give their own time as well. That's, that's awesome, man. That's, I mean, you're, you're in those groups for a reason. You get me? So. No, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, 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 and you, you seriously make me think because those, I mean, I can tell you, of the people that I met um, that are, we're not friends, but I have met and have a conversation with Dave Grohl from Nirvana. And that's one of the things that I, that I cherish the most because when I made my wife, we were in junior high in Mexico city. I was 14. She was 13 years old. And I got introduced to grunge and to the Nirvana because of my wife. Whoa. And we, we didn't see each other for a while. And then we reconnected again through Facebook when I was living in the U.S. and she was in Mexico. And then we hit it off again and we married. And we got married. She moved here and we got married. So for me to meet Dave Grohl of Nirvana after he was such a big part of my personal life and my relationship with my wife, I can tell you that that was a million-dollar moment. Um, who else? I mean, I bet when it comes to, to sports, uh, when I met Charles Barkley, that's a huge moment. And, yeah. and, and, and there's a story behind it. And then again, this is all going to come out in the book. Um, I, the NBA used to go to Mexico every year uh, until it actually became so big that they had the need to do um, a regular season game. So I'm talking to you about 1997 when the Rockets and the Mavericks played there. Of course I had to be there. I was a huge basketball fan. I had to be there. And then what happened? The Rockets win the game. And there were not so many Rockets fans in, in Mexico, but, you know, they had Hakim Olajuwon, they had Clyde Drexler, they had Barkley. So Barkley takes his shoe off and he throws it to the stands in joy, man. And he was so happy of, of getting that kind of reception. Maybe people don't, don't realize, maybe Americans don't realize how much following sports have in Mexico when you talk about NFL, NBA, uh, MLB. But once you're an athlete and you're there and you leave the moment, I think it's going to shock you. And it's going to blow you away. And I think that happened to Sir Charles. And all of a sudden, he throws a shoe to the stands. And, uh, you know, that's something I, I, my dad and I joked about it in the moment because he's like, who's going to want that smelly shoe? And I'm like, dad, it's Charles Barkley. Yeah. You know, he's, <laughs> he's a legend, right? And I'm sure whoever has it is going to value that shoe forever. So fast forward, uh, 2010 NBA Finals. I was very fortunate to call that Lakers Celtics uh, finals for DirecTV Land America. So I go down to the court and there's a lot of people that I met. Uh, then Terrell Owens, mm. I was, I, I grew up liking the Buffalo Bills and he was uh, with the Bills. He had played for the Bills recently and uh, he was there. He actually took my picture with a big, it was like a simulated trophy. I don't know if it was a balloon or something, but it was a, like a big NBA trophy behind me. And he's like, Hey man, can you take my picture? And, and then I'll take yours. I'm like, oh, man, this is Terrell Owens. Yeah. This is great. Like, I, I didn't even take a – I was so in shock that I didn't even take a picture with him. So I see Charles Barkley. He had just finished with his um, 
his um, appearance with, with TNT. They had just finished a show, so I had to go to Barkley and talk to him. And then he's like, man, I'm, I'm so I, I told him what he was. And he's like, man, so sorry. I'm not doing interviews tonight. I'm like, no, no, listen, I don't want to interview. I, I, you, I, I just want to tell you about this story. And the moment I told him, his face just lit up, man. He, his eyes just got, I, like, he remembered the moment. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I'm talking to him about a, something that happened when I, was, when I was a kid and this guy was already a superstar. So that, that moment was, was, was a million dollar moment. Um, who else? When I think about, of, I mean, because I, I, met, I met Kobe, obviously, rest in peace. Yeah, uh, Magic Johnson recently. We have, we have a very good friend in common, uh, Magic and I. And so when I, when I met Magic, I'm like, you know, Magic, you know, I'm good friends with this person. And, and he's like, and so we hit it off from there. Um, I recently met Sandy Koufax at Dodger Stadium. Nice. Um, I, Nolan Ryan, who had that picture Ooh. with my dad that I always valued. And, and then I met him. We actually stayed at the same hotel during the 2011 World Series. We were staying at the, at the VIP floor. For whatever reason, they put me there without asking. And then I was, I, I'm there having breakfast with Nolan Ryan. Right. So I, I can tell you, I can go, you know, hours and hours and probably days telling you at this point, when people ask me, because this question gets asked to me all the time, especially when I'm talking to my friends in Mexico or I meet new people, they get shocked by the fact that I'm in Hollywood and meeting all these people. Right. And they always tell me, who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met? And I always tell them, you know what? It's probably easier for you to ask me if I have met that person. And then I will tell you if I have or not. <laughs> yes, because no, yes, no. Yeah, there's so yeah, many. <laughs> it's been so many, man. I remember, um, have you ever watched that movie? One of the biggest moments, and this is a cool, not only a great looking actress, but a, a, a cool um, girl. You ever watched that movie Soul Plane? Yeah. With Snoop Dogg? Yeah. Remember, you know, um, Ariel Kebble, I think is her name. She was Tom Arnold's daughter. I... In the movie... Well, she was, the, the story is like Tom Arnold is flying with his family and, you know, in this very cool plane, whatever. So Ariel Kevill was, was, was Tom Arnold's daughter in that movie, right? Great looking actress. Okay, so okay, okay, I, okay. We, we go and look her up. You'll know who I'm talking about. So my wife and I got invited through Fox to the premiere of a, of a show called The League. Oh, okay. which was on fx on a, yeah. um it was the show. league and, and another and yeah and another show called um you're the worst which which i hadn't seen before and i became a huge fan of so this was at, um this movie by in westwood by ucla it's a very famous movie theater that i forgot its name is a historic landmark but i forgot the name of it but anyway um my wife and i left our car at fox so we took an Uber because we were supposed to walk the red carpet and we wanted to make sure we got driven right to the red carpet because my wife was wearing high heels. I was wearing these, you know, very cool shoes on my own. So we just actually had someone drive us. So at the end of the, of the premiere, we are waiting for, uh, for an Uber to take us back to, to, fog, to the Fox lot to, to, for me to get my car and go to the after party. So, and I see a rail right there. And right away, I mean, I've seen this girl in, in Entourage and Soul Plane, so many shows. I'm a big fan. And she sees the shoes that I'm wearing, which wear a pair of uh, Christian Louboutins with spikes. And so we're waiting for an Uber. And she actually accidentally gets in my Uber but because she had been waiting for a while. 
And then she looks at me and, you know, the first thing she looks at is my shoes. She's like, hey, man, those are cool shoes. So we started talking from there and then we ride, you know, the same Uber to the, to the after party and everything. It was, it was crazy. And that moment lasted for like probably five minutes. But at the same time, having that conversation with her and her telling me about the shoes was amazing. Uh, Pamela Anderson. Mm. Uh, I remember meeting her at a Lakers game and you know there was nothing in common but I just went up to her and and and, and said hi uh, Flash from Guns N' Roses nice. uh, he saw a picture for whatever reason he saw a picture that I had on my phone uh, of, of the guitar one of my guitars and he's like dude that's a cool looking guitar I've never seen it before that's a, that's a good looking guitar and then my and I said I could die tomorrow because Slash one of the top guitar players in the history of rock and roll told me that my guitar was cool yeah so there i mean i can i can go back and forth and and then again for days and and hours talking about some of the coolest people that i've met but all i can say is that man i i have to be humble i had to say i've been very fortunate to meet you know great people along the way um live in the moment but also appreciate the moment when you i'm sure you're gonna have countless more memories like that you know take a moment and enjoy the present you know like yeah, and I promise I'll start working on the book. Yeah, uh, that's going to yeah. be a good one. Look forward to it. Yeah. Uh, any personal shout outs you want to do? Anybody, you know, thankful in your life? Yeah, I mean, of course, I wouldn't be here if it was not for my dad or my wife. I mean, obviously, my dad was, you know, always a hard worker and he, he paid my way through, you know, he paid for my school. He always made sure he I got the right education. That I learned English at a young age, which has proven very valuable for me mm-hmm. along the way. Um, and he always showed me the, the, the right path and to do things the right way and to treat people kindly and not to forget where I came from and, and you know, be, be an honest person, you know, and, and be, be a nice dude. And, and he was there. And, and also my wife, uh, we've been together for 10 years now. And uh, she, she brought something that I lacked in my life which 10 years ago, I was already a broadcaster and I was already talented. I had been doing things and whatnot, but she, she opened up the world for me. She showed me things that I had not seen. She inspired me to travel the world. She inspired me to look at other things besides what I was doing and to believe in myself. So I think I can tell you I wouldn't be here because, you know, without them. And, you know, there's so many things uh, and there's so many people that I've met along the road and I, I'm not going to share names because, you know, there's too many of them, but I can guarantee you they know who they are. I mean, if, if they've helped me, I've, I have made them, I have, I have made, I have told them that I value what they've done for me. I'm a, I'm a very thankful person that way. And that's something that my dad really instilled in me, like made sure that whenever someone does something nice for me, I thank them back. And so, so I, I am very careful about doing that. When someone has been nice to me or where someone has helped me along the way, they know. They will hear from me at some point and hear a thank you and, 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 and try to, you know, give something back if, if, I, if I can. That's beautiful. Um, so this is not a self-help podcast, but we wrap it up with a little thing called words of wisdom. It could be about anything, anything that a favorite quote, a favorite, favorite anything, maybe some words, maybe paragraph, whatever you feel like what in, in your heart, something for the audience. Yeah, so, yeah. Something that I said before, um, if you want to get far in life, um, try to, um, try to find what makes you unique. 
but at the same time, you know, as I said before too, success is, um, is in your own, is in your own head, is in your own mind. And don't, don't compare yourself to other person. If you're happy with what you're doing, because it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or let's say do maintenance at a company, you can be the best at what you do and you can be happy with what you do and money doesn't really define or success don't really define um, a, a happy journey in life. So, you know, feel proud of everything that I, uh, everything that you do, feel proud of every single moment that you've made someone happy and um, enjoy it and try to live happily and don't, don't try to worry too much, especially now in these coronavirus times, dude, don't worry about what happens tomorrow, what's going to happen in a year. I, and I understand some people are, are, are doing worse than, than I am, but I can tell you, some people don't feel bad. As I said, this has cost me a lot of money and you know, I'm, I'm struggling to find ways to compensate that loss of income. Right? So it's not that I'm doing it easy or I can tell you, you know, with my hands and my waist, Oh guys, you know, we'll get through this, you know, because I'm, I've been equally affected by this, but we cannot worry that much about what's going to happen tomorrow because if we die tomorrow, we might, I don't know what's going to happen, we, but we might go back and say, you know what, I could have spent this day happily with my family and uh, having a good time going out. Well, you can't go out right now, but having a burger uh, <laughs> through yeah. pickup, right? Or takeout, right? Or, or coffee or enjoying coffee or whatever. And, uh, and I didn't do it because I was too worried about tomorrow. And this life is too short and you, you really have to enjoy it the fullest. This was beautiful. I'm not sure what I expected, but it exceeded all expectations. This was, thank you for taking your uh, time out of your day to come and join me. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that was Francisco X Rivera. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? No, I just wanted to thank you, Hector. Thank you for uh, giving me time to talk. It was, this has been a very enjoyable chat and uh, anytime, man, uh, whatever you need. Let I me appreciate know. that. And I'm looking forward to the book. Thank you guys for, for listening. Sure. Remember, if nobody loves you, Hector loves you. Once again, that was Francisco X. Rivera. We'll see you next time.